Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, look, boys, there's a new sheriff in town, and he's dressed awful purdy. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your guest host, Kevon Goldbug. Welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. It's sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly adults-only pipe-smoking broadcast. I'm your guest host, Kevin Godby, coming to you from my home office here in downtown St. Petersburg, Florida, so that it might sound a little different than uh, the other shows uh, that Brian does. And Brian's not here because he's in Denmark, probably already drunk and passed out. Uh, so that's one reason I'm doing this show. The other is it's our, it's our two-year anniversary. Uh, this is show number 105. We've been doing this for two years straight, so it's about time Brian got a night off. Uh, in tonight's show, Pipe Parts, we're going to talk about nicotine, which is considered evil and cancer-causing by most people, even though it's not. I'm going to cover some various uh, interesting tidbits that are uh, always fun to share with smokers and even non-smokers, as a matter of fact. Uh, my guest tonight is Leonard Wurzel. Leonard is the Vice President of Marketing and Product Development for Lane STG, and he's been there since 2011 when the company was bought out by Scandinavian Tobacco Group, and when that happened... A lot of really good stuff actually has been happening uh, lately. So when we get Leonard on the phone, maybe we'll find out uh, what else is new coming down the road. Uh, for the music segment, uh, and this was Brian's idea, by the way, uh, we're going to have one of my old bands uh, from a demo tape we recorded in 1984. And instead of the mailbag tonight, uh, I'm going to give you some interesting uh, facts and figures and some stats from Pipes Magazine. Uh, about our readers and listeners, some interesting things like demographics, geographics. Uh, hopefully you'll find that interesting. All of that is coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. It is Tuesday, September 16th, and in one more week, summer's officially over. Uh, what that means here in Florida is that it won't go over 88 degrees now. Weather out there today is hot and shitty, with continued hot and shitty in the afternoon. Tomorrow, a chance of continued crappy with a pissy weather front coming down from the north. Basically, it's louder than the snakes have. Yes, that was the official Pipes Magazine radio show weather report and a little tribute to Robin Williams. All right, we have a lot to cover, so let's get this show on the road. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Sit back, relax, fire up a bowl, and here we go. internet radio hey i fooled you actually i think i fooled myself too we're apparently we're skipping the first commercial break because i hit the wrong button it's uh, not i'm finding out it's not easy to host a show and produce it at the same time but that's okay so let's uh let's get into pipe parts and talk about nicotine uh as far as you know me personally and most pipe hobbyists that i know uh i don't really smoke a pipe for the nicotine i smoke it more for the flavor but there's nicotine in there so uh let's talk about it Here's one of my favorite things to tell people about nicotine is that you know most people think it only comes from tobacco when in fact it uh, exists in common foods such as tomatoes, one of my favorites, potatoes, eggplant, cauliflower, all of those have nicotine in them. So eat your vegetables. Why? Because nicotine is not actually bad for you, it's actually good for you. Um, there are health benefits. There's uh, scientific studies, and we've talked about this on the show uh, previously with uh, Dr. Fred Hanna. Uh, there's studies that show that nicotine inhibits the development of uh, Parkinson's disease, and it has a preventative effect against the development of Alzheimer's disease. And nicotine is also being studied as a possible treatment for schizophrenia. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, and, and eat your vegetables too. Uh, now, how come we don't hear about this? The reason is, is because nicotine can't be patented by drug companies and they can't make any money from it. That's why. And also, I you know suspect it's just been so indoctrinated in society that nicotine's evil. So there's some uh, pretty cool, interesting things that you can uh, keep in mind to tell people when they want to bring up nicotine or you know you're talking to any anti-tobacco crazies. Uh, let them know that. In just a minute, Leonard Wurzel will be on the phone. So stick around for that. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show with guest host Keith. Be good. Eck? 
I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. Hi, this is Brian Levine, and I'm enjoying listening to this episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show the Vice President of Marketing and Product Development for STG Lane, Mr. Leonard Wurzel. Leonard, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Pleasure to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, uh, where you're from, and how you guys started smoking a pipe? actually kind of from all over the place. Uh, lived in Singapore, Hawaii, Georgia, uh, various places throughout time. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the beginning of my career, right after college, I was actually on creative side and advertising agencies and actually started out down at the um, Gray and BBDO uh, affiliates in San Jose, Costa Rica, of all places. Um, you know, later on, other various agency roles, and actually prior to STG, I was actually doing all of uh, Home Depot corporate's um, uh, Hispanic marketing for for the U.S. As far as when I started smoking the pipe, I think it was uh, after I'd moved back from Costa Rica the first time, so that would have been maybe around 1995, and I was living in Dallas, Texas, and and walked down probably my local Walgreens or Rite Aid, picked up a uh, Missouri Meerschaum cord cob and as likely as not a pouch of uh, Captain Black pipe tobacco. So almost 20 years smoking a pipe. It, yeah, it should be right at it. Yeah. So and uh, you mentioned that you you moved around a lot as a Army brat, as you said. Out of all the places you lived, are there any favorites? Uh, as a kid growing up, um, well, we were in Hawaii for a while, so that wasn't too bad, of course. I think Singapore was the most interesting. The, the food was really good. It was uh, a very crime-free place. Um, government makes sure of that. So even as whenever I would have been 10 or 11 years old, you pretty much had free reign to hop on a bus and, and head around anywhere you wanted to go on the island. Nice. Not, not that there's anything wrong with Georgia. No, I've really, really liked Atlanta. I've never lived anywhere in my life for more than four years at a time until we moved here in 2000. So in town, Atlanta is uh, has been really good to us. So new new record for living in, in one place. Um, so just getting back to uh, the pipe, uh, when you got started, uh, did you have somebody that showed you how to smoke a pipe, how to pack it, light it, tamp it? No, none of that. Um, and certainly at that point in time, I'd never heard of anything called a pipe club. Um, there was no internet, which makes us feel old, but uh, <laughs> so there certainly was no forums to go to. Um, I'm sure it was just through trial and error. Now, granted, my father's a lifelong uh, pipe smoker, so I'm sure I absorbed some of that uh, through osmosis, much to my mother's chagrin, <laughs> um, but there was no formal training per se. So, being that you work at a tobacco company, I mean, what what I always just imagine, I don't really know, so I'm going to ask, uh, you know, when I when I imagine somebody who works at a pipe tobacco company, I just imagine that you're just like walking around smoking a pipe all day. Do you get to do that? No, no, 
not not really. Uh, there's no smoking technically allowed in the office. Uh, we do have a, a, a testing room, uh, but that's really used for what it should be. Um, we do have an outdoor area where we can uh, we can smoke, so I'll we'll use that when the weather is okay. But uh, for better or worse, I'm not able to sit at my desk and and puff on a pipe all day long. So you just have to come up with as many excuses as possible to do more tests. Right. Well, there's plenty of it going on. <laughs> Good. Uh, besides pipes, do you have any uh, hobbies or activities you like to participate in in your free time? Well, um, it sounds kind of funny anytime I say it, but I actually uh, play banjo at a, in a local bluegrass band here in town. Oh, nice. Do you play like on a regular basis, like uh, every weekend? Uh, no, now it's more like once a month or so. Back in the you know a few years back, we were playing pretty uh, once or twice a week, but now it's now it's a little more sporadic than that. Yeah, I was actually, I, I have to admit, I don't usually listen to bluegrass music myself, but uh, a little over a week ago, uh, two weekends ago, there was a show here in St. Pete with uh, Steve Martin and Martin oh, yeah. Short, but part of the show is his bluegrass band performing, and man, they blew me away. They were, uh, it looks like it's, uh, some of those riffs are, you've got to really practice to get that stuff down. Yeah, nice shout out for the Steve Canyon Rangers. Um, there you go. Yeah. It's, it's actually very, very learnable, but you are playing in the five-string bluegrass style, about eight notes per second on that banjo in a typical bluegrass song. So wow, that's wild. I, for me, I didn't pick it up until ten years ago, and I was probably a lot better six years ago than I am now. But it, I think it's like anything. If you're willing to practice about three hours a day, you can learn just about anything you want. Right. So maybe uh, uh, for a future show, uh, we can... If you have any recordings of your band, uh, we'd be happy to play them on, on a future show. Yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just There are recordings out there. Aha, okay. So uh, just getting back to uh, Lane. Now, you started working there uh, in August 2011. Uh, now, you said you had been in advertising. Uh, you'd done, so you had a lot of experience with advertising, marketing, uh, Home Depot. How did you get the job at Lane? You know, after I left, uh, I quit Home Depot in whatever, April, May uh, 2010, you know, took a year off to kind of hang out and figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And then uh, about May of that year, I said, okay, let me start applying for jobs again. And, uh, you know, I was kind of didn't want to go back to the corporate thing. So I was really, I told myself I was only going to look at university jobs and nonprofit jobs, kind of PR, advertising work in, in those environments. Um, but one of the very first things I saw on Monster.com in May of 11 was brand manager pipe tobacco in Tucker, Georgia. And I was like, well, I could probably do that. Um, so I, uh, you know, threw in my resume uh, online and probably got a call two weeks later. Uh, and then probably came in here a couple weeks after that. And I think I was hired uh, the first week of June. So it, it maybe took four or five weeks from when I started looking for a job to to find this one. Wow, that sounds like it was meant to meant to be. Yeah, well, it's been uh, you know w w without a doubt uh, the best job I've ever had, the most uh, fulfilling job uh, I've ever had. It's really uh, just been fantastic from from day one. That that's great. I'm, uh, you know, if I wasn't doing what I'm what I'm doing now, I, that would be the next my next choice that I try for. Um, so now Lane has been around for a long time. Uh, can you give us a, uh, tell us how old it is and give us a brief background? Yeah, Lane was uh, founded, of course, by actually Herman Lane's grandfather in 1890 in uh, Dresden, Germany. So they were probably the largest independent uh, tobacco manufacturer there at the time. Uh, so Herman, of course, grew up around all of that. Um, you know, there's a great little tome out there called Leaves from a Tobacco Man's Log, which is sort of a biography slash autobiography that was put out in 1970. It's got some great little tidbits in there. You know, he was really big into languages, so he spoke Greek, and, and Latin and, and French and, and, and German as well. Uh, he was very much into classical music, and in order to understand that better, he learned to play the, the violin uh, very, very. 
very well, and that was a passion of his uh, throughout his life. Now, of course, as a kid growing up, he would spend his time uh, on the factory floor with his grandfather. And so he, you know, from a very young age was learning about the different traits of the different leaves from all around the world. He had learned to run every single machine on the floor. And so, you know, he had a degree in economics and business, uh, I think from Dresden University, and started, as soon as he graduated, started working for the company. And uh, by the time he was 24, he was the executive vice president there. Um, So, of course, about 1937, uh, things got a little strange over there in Germany, and they, along with many others, had to get the heck out of Dodge. And so... They ended up in uh, New York City, uh, where they opened up the uh, their first tobacconist shop there, probably in uh, 1938. Um, and then shortly after, you know, he was starting to use that as a place to test out his concepts on blends within the shop. Um, that was there on 122nd East 42nd Street. And then uh, not too long after, they opened their first manufacturing facility. Um, and they, uh, on the Upper East Side, and, they, you know, by 1970, that had grown to 150 employees. Um, and they were producing and selling, of course, all over the U.S. and had a, a home office uh, somewhere off of the Park Avenue area. So they were there until, with a portfolio of over 200 blends, and that's before the Captain Blacks came along in their current format, um, until 1983. Uh, at which point the company moved down here to Tucker, which is, you know, about 15 miles due east of, of downtown Atlanta. And so it's been uh, located here, and most of the old machinery came down, some of which has been replaced, some of which hasn't. Uh, and they've been here since 83. Wow. I You know, I just love hearing the stories about, uh, you know, uh, really old tobacco companies that are over 100 years old, and then and some of the same equipment is still there. It's, it's just so cool. Yeah, we've got um, at least, you know, uh, some of the stuff is certainly that's helping us uh, seal all of our premium tins. Uh, it's got to be at least 60 years old. Um, wow. It could be older than that. Nobody really knows. We're going to take a break right here, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about Lane SCG and uh, different tobacco blends. We'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. The year was 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th president of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes, or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on earth has not. Visit sutliff-tobacco.com for information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures. And now back to our show with guest host Kenny Godberg. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show talking with uh, Leonard Wurzel, Vice President of Marketing and Product Development for Lane STG. Uh, so, Leonard, in the past uh, year or so, uh, you've made a lot of pipe smokers pretty happy by bringing back several blends that have been dis- discontinued for some time. Uh, how did you decide to uh, do that? 
think it started probably the first input I got from that. Uh, might have been when I started popping up on uh, the forums on pipesmagazine.com and, and was immediately inundated with uh, some requests. <laughs> I'd also, you know, just started hitting the, the trade show circuit here within the tobacco industry and ran into some of our larger distributors who said, hey, you know, Lane used to have 30-some-odd blends, and a couple of these were great sellers. Uh, why don't you bring them back? So when you've got a very important customer who says, I'd buy a lot of this from you, you know, it's kind of a no-brainer, uh, at least to start that process off. Uh, so I had uh, some of the folks here who had access to older records start pulling me up some some volume numbers on, well, what did so well in the past, and I think I threw out some polls there on uh, on the forums, and uh, lo and behold, uh, a lot of the stuff the forum folks were requesting, the, the hazelnut and the black raspberry were the same kind of things that um, a lot of the, the wholesalers that we do business with were asking for. Um, and, and then, of course, probably the second most Outside of the lane bulk, the, the most common request I was getting was for uh, crown achievement. Um, so, you know, this next time around when we finally got our tinning operation up and running, that was the uh, first thing I wanted to have us produce. Yeah, you know, uh, out of all the reintroduced blends, uh, my fa personal favorite is crown achievement, uh, just for the smoking qualities, for the flavor, but I also uh, think it has the best backstory of... And we, we've published that already, but even so, would you mind retelling it for our listeners? Sure. Uh, you know, we used to produce these premium tins right here in Tucker, Georgia. Um, and so when I kind of tried to get that operation back up and running, I was asking everybody in the factory, you know, the real challenge here is how do you seal these tins so that they're vacuum sealed? They said, oh, well, we had this machine we would used to use, and it was about yay tall and yay wide. Um, but nobody could find it, and nobody could remember what happened to it. And so I started calling around to just people who manufacture different kinds of machinery and saying, hey, this is the type of tin I'm trying to seal, and I need a chamber that can do such and such, and um, I might as well have been speaking Latin. I mean, I mean, <laughs> called dozens of companies. Nobody could help me in any way. And so this, this went on for close to a year, uh, and then I... I had met a, a gentleman named Frank Blues who worked for Lane for for many, many years. Uh, was very much a pipe guy. was now working for one of our distributors. And was in a random conversation on the phone with him one day, and he starts going on. Frank's one of these old tobacco guys, likes to tell a good yarn. And I'm asking him about this machine. He's telling me, oh, it was yay big, and it was yay tall, and this is what we did. It was very simple to operate. And about 40 minutes into this, I said, Frank, <laughs> what did you do with the machine? And he said, oh, we gave that to Nat Sherman's. I was like, Frank, I have to go. Uh, so I call Nat Sherman's, I, I guess in North Carolina, and get somebody on the phone. I say, well, i got a weird set of questions for you. I'm looking for this machine. And she said, oh, only old Don would know anything about that. And I said, well, can I speak to old Don then? And so sure enough, when I talk to old Don and explain it, he goes, oh, yeah, we have the machine. We still have it. We don't use it anymore. Do you want it back? I said, Don, Don, yes, I do. Uh, so about a year later, sure enough, that thing uh, rolled back into the house. And we have a gentleman here who uh, still runs uh, part of the factory floor who's been with the company more than 35 years. He was hired by Herman Lane out of the, uh, you know, when the, the factory was up there in Manhattan. Uh, and he saw that thing rolling in and said, that thing was on the floor when I first started at this company. So it's it's just a very impressive-looking machine. It's not meant to do massive quantities, but to come back out with the, the, the kind of specialty stuff we'd like to be able to do, um, it, it really does the trick, and there there is a nice bit of history behind it. Yeah, so it seems like uh, Sherlock Holmes isn't the only uh, pipe-smoking detective amongst us. I guess not. You know, even, uh, you know, I guess he said in the article, even the tin art, there was no art files left around for this stuff. So I was actually at the uh, Columbus Pipe Show and found a tin uh, on one of the vendors' tables, uh, another forum goer I know, um, and then shipped that off to uh, some agency partners of ours to, to recreate that. 
Pretty neat. Just uh, shifting gears for a second, um, I'd like to get your take on the uh, legislative front. Uh, this pa past June at the Kansas City Pipe Show, I was actually sitting next to you while Mark Ryan was giving his presentation, uh, and it wasn't a real happy kind of presentation. And just, I mean, to sum it up in, in my own words, what I took away from it was uh, that the sky is falling and it's the end of the world as we know it. You have a different take on this, though. No, I mean, I certainly think we need to keep our eye on it. I think we need to be cognizant of it. I, I don't feel like the sky is falling, at least not today. I mean, hey, uh, one of these days the sun is going to explode, right? And there won't be any pipe tobacco <laughs> anywhere, but it's a long ways off. Um, and while some of this feels imminent, and if you read the law as it's, or the regs as it's currently proposed, it, it would lead you to some dire conclusions. Um, this is what I feel, is that uh, it's going to take the FDA quite a while to refine that stuff, to um, really take in all the comments that they've received and analyze it. Uh, there are things in that legislation um, that would eliminate some businesses um, and I think lead to some litigation potentially. So I, I think you're looking at a couple of years 18 months or so before whatever the uh, regulations are going to be before they become enacted. And then whatever they decide to tell us we need to do about pipe tobacco, as the law is written now or the regs are written now, there's another two years uh, where we'll be able to continue to develop and launch products until we have to submit some pretty lengthy documentation to say why each of these individual blends should be allowed to remain on the market and then there'll be some time while they process what do all those documents say and some back and forth. So from a, a consumer standpoint, I think you are several years, two, three, four, five, six years away from seeing any real impact out there uh, on what you're able to find on the shelf. Um, so I guess all I would say is all of this stuff, and we spend a lot of time talking about it and thinking about it, and you can drive yourself crazy. The bottom line is we've got the Pipe Tobacco Council, the Cigar Council. We've got good people who are advocating the right things uh, for the pipe smokers' communities' behalf. And you can really go crazy trying to predict what is going to happen, and, and you just can't. Uh, so the best thing to do is just to proceed and, and develop the products you really think that the pipe tobacco community will enjoy smoking and um, if things get a little more onerous down the line then let's let's deal with them then right okay when you just look at the, look at the uh, proposed regulations in a vacuum it does look pretty scary but like you said there's so this, this process takes so long there's so many other things going on there's so many other potential influencers down the road that yeah it is pretty impossible to predict we just won't know what it looks like. And again, I, I, I want to be clear. We still need to be very active as a, a community and lobbying uh, our, our officials uh, to tell them why some of this stuff probably shouldn't be enacted the way maybe it's been written. Um, pipe tobacco is different than cigarette tobacco. It, it's a different set of us. They're involved in this hobby. Um, and it is a hobby, and, and uh, they probably need to look at it in a different way. Uh, and so I, I, I don't want to say that none of us should be advocating for what we believe is right. Um, I'm just saying that to assume that the sky is going to fall tomorrow or that we can even predict where this all will end up, we can spend hours and hours and hours wringing our hands on it um, and not really get anywhere. Right. So another thing going on in the uh, war on tobacco is the recent decision by CVS to uh, stop selling all tobacco products. Um, how much of an impact has that had on your sales, and what's your plan going forward to make up for that? Uh, well, speaking broadly on uh, sales of what I think we would all call mass market brands um, that are traditionally sold in the food, drug, and convenience world, um, you know, I would put Captain Black and, and Borkham Riff and Half and Half and Sir Walter Raleigh into that kind of, of bucket. Um, 
you know, and, and as well as all these private label brands that you see within the, the drug stores, the uh, Blenders Gold, the Vir- Virginia Gold, the um, Admiral, which was CVS's private label. Across the board on a yearly basis, those volumes are down about 20%. And so though there is no doubt that CVS has clearly exited the business. That is, uh, that Admiral brand uh, via syndicated data was significant uh, uh, volume in terms of pounds every year. Uh, Rite Aid and Walgreens are both of them have adjusted somewhat how they're emphasizing and displaying their tobaccos, and they didn't increase the amount of space they're dedicating towards traditional pipe tobacco. So if you look within uh, that food drug convenience world, and specifically drug, uh, probably since, if you go back to about 2011 until today, the volume has probably declined by about 500,000 pounds a year annually. You're talking about in that in the drugstore segment? Just within that. And I would love food and convenience. There's not a ton of volume within the convenience channel anymore, but uh, certainly the food and drug, both of those guys combined, and most of those losses are coming from uh, the drug channel. So, I mean, there's a couple of ways to look at it. From the community standpoint, you know, a lot of us that are participating on the forums or now that I'm in the industry, look, we're, we're all very aware of, the different places we can find uh, the tobacco we want to continue our pipe smoking hobby. We're we're aware of all these online retailers. Uh, we we are uh, comfortable and we frequent uh, premium tobacconist shops, etc. But you know that's not always the case for the broader uh, community. They you know may live a very long way from a place to really go purchase tobacco. Um, you know, there, there may, a premium tobacconist may be very, very far away from where they live physically. Um, from our data, only 15% of pipe tobacco smokers purchase online. And so simply not aware of that. I, you know, I certainly before I came in to this job, I'm just your average pipe smoker. I don't participate on forums before. Um, yes, I would drive quite a ways to find a tobacconist occasionally, but I still often got my tobacco from those very uh, more chain-driven sources. And so um, I think back to when I was going to enter this hobby, um, I don't know where I would have gone. Maybe I wouldn't have at all if I couldn't find it on a CVS shelf. So as we're trying to convince people, hey, you know, maybe you've been smoking cigars or maybe you've been smoking cigarettes, why don't you try out uh, this different uh, way of enjoying tobacco uh, if it's not readily available or easily found, our ability to um, continue the growth of the hobby certainly gets hindered. Um, you know, for a brand like Captain Black, certainly a tre- tremendous amount of that volume has been sold uh, within, you know, the CBS kind of stores out there. So it, it's certainly under pressure, not anywhere near as much pressure as the category as a whole. It's managed to hold its own pretty good. If a retailer is going to keep a brand on the shelf, it's probably going to be the number one pipe tobacco brand. Um, the challenge we have is getting that brand placed in places where you traditionally didn't find it, and I mean more of the premium tobacconist who, you know, both would typically say, I don't need to carry that because CVS is carrying that, and my consumers, if they wanted that, they would go there. I have a different set of consumers. Well, I, th- I think the argument we would make is, as those places leave, there are these sets of consumers who, who really love this brand, and they are going to be actively seeking it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will likely try to find your store. You're not going to want to say no to that customer when they walk in. If you decide to shift them to this wonderful variety of other stuff you have there, but you're going to want to say Yes, I, I have what you're looking for that first time they walk in. So, um, you know, that's some of the things we're doing to, to adjust to it is make sure as the category shifts channels from this tremendous amount of volume that's in the food and drug, or, you know, and certainly mostly the drug trade finds its way into other venues, the primary recipient of that volume, certainly not all of it, is going to be 
that premium tobacconist and or the online retailer. And so we want to make sure that they understand you may not have felt that this was relevant to your business, but there's a whole bunch of consumers where this brand and some of these other brands are extremely relevant, and they're going to be knocking on your door very soon. The uh, bright side is that it's a potential big opportunity for the uh, the uh, brick-and-mortar stores, professional tobacconists, uh, and, the, and the online retailers as well, and all the more reason to support them. If you can't be an athlete, be an athletic supporter. It is, and it's more reason for, I think if you look at a lot of tobacconists that may have been really pipe-centered in the past, and they've become more um, uh, cigar-focused, um, which is great, um, but there's probably a, a renewed reason for them to pay more attention to more variety on their, their pipe tobacco side as well. And certainly, they're not seeing anywhere near the types of declines you're seeing um, within those other channels. And anecdotally, from what we hear at trade shows, most of those folks are, are seeing a lift in their traditional pipe tobacco volume. Good. Well, that's that's good news for them. So, uh, Leonard, we normally uh, would be we're out of time here, but uh, I want to keep talking to you. So we're going to take a short break, and then uh, can you stick around for a... Uh, for a little more? Sure thing. Okay, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to find out what's new coming down the road from Lane in the future, and we're going to uh, take some questions from our forum members that have been submitted previously. We'll be back in a minute. This is Internet Radio. Cup of Joe's, a name you know, a name that you trust for all your tobacco needs. Exclusive pipes, pipe tobacco, accessories, pipe stands, and so much more. Cup of Joe's is the one place you can go and take care of every single one of your tobacco purchases. Fast shipping, friendly, professional service. One site, cupofjoes.com. And coming soon, their new line of smoking man pipes, cupofjoes.com. Quality products and extraordinary prices. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. You're listening to the Pipes Magazine radio show with special guest host Chris Goodbees. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show talking to uh, Leonard Wurzel, the Vice President of Marketing and Product Development from, for uh, Lane STG. And uh, Leonard, can you uh, tell us what we might expect coming down the road new from Lane Limited, Lane STG? Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, as we've slowly been reintroducing some of the previously discontinued Lane Bulks, I, I think we're looking at bringing back a few more of those this year. Um, We've got uh, probably my second most requested brand, maybe third most, uh, to bring back, which is Medal of Honor, which I'm staring at a very old tin of it right now, which that uh, we'll be bringing back next year. And next year is our Lane's 125th anniversary. So we're going to come up with a new blend just for that. Um, uh, certainly put it in the tin and maybe in a, in a bulk as well. Nice. Um, and what kind of what's the uh, profile on those uh, blends? Um, the, well, some of them yet to be determined. <laughs> exactly what we're going to launch. Uh, you know, we may even try to get interactive on the 125th and start taking opinions from uh, some of the folks out there on the forums. Uh, Medal of Honor, and I've got to look up the description. There's certainly a hint of Latakia in there, but certainly not the English bomb that is. Um, Sorry, I'm just taking a whiff of it right now. That is uh, Crown Achievement. Of course, the tin I'm looking at, uh, I think this is probably from the 80s, donated by one of your online uh, retail sponsors, actually, quite calmly. Um, but it, it t smells a little bit of a more of a milder English. That sounds delicious. good. 
And when do you think that'll be available? Um, let's call it sometime between January and June. Okay. <laughs> How's that for commitment? No problem. We will wait with bated breath. Now, speaking of the uh, forum members, a while back I started a thread uh, letting everybody know you were going to be on the show and asking them to submit questions. Uh, we actually got a lot of questions, so I just picked a few. So, guys, don't be upset if your question didn't get picked. We're going to start with uh, Cosmic Folklore. He wants to know whether Lane is considering developing any straight Virginia or Virginia Perique blends. Uh, the short answer is yes. Um, I feel like from our domestically produced portfolio, that's something that's missing. And certainly as I've shifted, you know, I was an aromatic smoker really until I came here. Um, and it's only over the last couple of years as I've been poor me forced to sample every tobacco on the planet <laughs> uh, that my shifts have, have uh, my tastes have shifted more towards uh, the English spectrum and then the escudos and the other uh, Virginia Periques and Virginias of the world so nice. I certainly intend to introduce something within that line from produced here within the next year well I'm happy to hear that and I bet there's a lot of other people that are happy to hear it and I, I smell a sales increase our next question comes from uh, MSO 489 he says he's an admirer of Lane's Burley Without Bite, both smoked as is and for mixing with other tobaccos. And he wants to know, is it one Burley leaf or a blend in itself with various Burleys? The short answer is various Burley leaves. Um, I'm trying to look on this list and see if I've got a breakdown of it, but I don't. But typically that's going to be... Um, Anywhere from three or four different types of burleys uh, from all over the world. Uh, nice. So it'll it'll be a mix of those things. I mean, in no blend would you want to use a burley from one place on the planet. If something goes wrong there with the climate, as it always will, you're either going to have to change the nature of this thing altogether or you're going to be out of it. So right. you've kind of got to layer these things in and make sure you've got tobaccos from several parts of the world that have somewhat similar characteristics so that you can account for um, any climate or weather incidences that may happen. Right, that makes sense. Next question is from Hunter TRW, and he would like to know if Lane STG has any plans for the entire House of Edgeworth portfolio. And then he lists a whole slew of different Edg Edgeworth Ready Rub, Edgeworth Aromatic, Cavendish, and a whole bunch more. Any luck on that one? Oh, the Edgeworth question. Yeah, that one comes up um, frequently, and I, I feel like I've at least PM'd a few folks back and forth on it. Um, it's a weird one, and it mostly comes down to copyright stuff. I mean, if you look up uh, on the copyright site, that stuff is still under the House of Loris, a company that doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> um, registered at this address, uh, <laughs> which is very odd. But I think it's either BAT or Imperial that actually owns those brands, even though they're not doing with it, or there's a house. So I've never been able to quite get to the bottom of whether I can use the name or not. Now, that's not to say I can't produce a blend of very similar characteristics. I, I would very likely have to call it something slightly different. Mm -hmm. Wedgeworth. How about that? <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. Um, okay, and the last question is from uh, Mr. Lowercase. He says, I'm keenly interested if any possibility at all exists that Lane could import the UK market STG brands like St. Bruno or the whole Imperial slash STG portfolio. And the, the short answer is kind of like the, the answer for Edgeworth is a lot of that just comes down to obtaining the rights from various parties to, to do so, along with determining is this something you know, one person wants or many people want or many people might want. But I will say certainly the St. Bruno name is one that has come up in conversation uh, both internally and request externally from wholesalers and retailers. So um, it is something that is being discussed. Okay. We will keep an eye out and see what happens. Okay, let's wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. There's no right answer, no wrong answer, short or long, doesn't matter. Are you ready? Sure. What's your favorite pipe? Um, oh, I, 
you know, I can honestly say whichever one I'm, I'm smoking right now. I'm, I'm much more of a, a tobacco guy than a physical pipe guy, per se. Um, I've got many, many pipes. Uh, I prefer uh, a straight stem. Um, I'm a very utilitarian guy. Whatever pipe I have is invariably going to fall on a hard surface. Um, so I tend not to own a, a great many very, very high-end pipes. Uh, my office collection is uh, replete with Stanwells uh, for the most part, since that is uh, a brand that's owned by a Scandinavian tobacco group, and they always just seem to find their way to my desk. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of all over the board. The only one I've, really, I've never really had good luck smoking um, a, a Meerschaum pipe. Not Missouri Meerschaum cord cops, love those. But just the, uh, a Meerschaum, for whatever reason, I've never really had a great experience out of those. Okay. Well, Stanwell has some nice pipes, so good for you on that. Uh, and so sounds like you're definitely more of a tobacco guy than a pipe guy, which leads into our second question. What's your favorite tobacco? Um, I have been, my daily smoke, uh, well, for about eight months now, has been uh, Crown Achievement. Um, when I vary from that, it will be probably into the Escudo world, uh, maybe an occasional Orlick Golden Slice, um, and uh, either love it or hate it, uh, Aaron Moore uh, flakes within there. But I'm, I'm staying within primarily that English, proper English, BSO5 and uh, Crown Achievement principally mm -hmm. right now. Sounds tasty. So uh, when it's time to relax, is it a book, music, or a movie? What's your favorite drink? Um, Flor de Cana Seven Year Rum. It's a, a brand out of uh, Nicaragua that's absolutely fabulous. Served yes. on on the rocks. Yes, I've had that's I've had it and I love it and on the rocks as well. You make I feel like having one of those now as soon as the show's over. Last one. Do you have a favorite pipe smoking memory you'd like to share with us? I guess <laughs> I had to try to pin it down uh, after I. Had I quit the Home Depot, and like I said, back in April or May of uh, 2010, and really felt like I just needed a, a little time to uh, recharge my batteries. So I grabbed a backpack and a camping hammock and took off for Nicaragua for six weeks. Um, and I was determined to get to the northernmost, <laughs> northwest corner there where there was anything owned by... Uh, anybody from the U.S., and so I found this little town, about a 400-person fishing village called Mechapa, very northwest corner, right off the Gulf of Fonseca, just below El Salvador. Um, and in order to get to this little place, I had to, you know, take the plane, take about a three-hour taxi ride, get in a dugout canoe, and, and uh, get my way across this uh, about a thousand-meter bay, and then there was a 20-kilometer walk uh, on a beach in order to arrive at my destination. So I can honestly say after going through six years or, uh, you know, 70- and 80-hour weeks that um, strolling along about 15 kilometers of that walk without seeing another human and just smoking my pipe along that beach was uh, probably my, my favorite memory. Yeah, I, I feel more relaxed just hearing about it. That sounds great. Leonard, thank you for your time, and uh, thank you for the work that you do to keep us uh, all in uh, really good tobaccos. All right, thank you, Kevin. Uh, we'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at sutlifttobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. 
There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented Perfect Match system. Try it at SutlifeTobacco.com. Go to SutlifeTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. We hope you're enjoying tonight's show with guest host Carlton Goldfish. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, by now you've probably noticed that the announcer has not got my name right once. The reason for that is it's actually an inside joke between Brian and I. Uh, when we were together at a pipe show about a year, year and a half ago, uh, it seemed like there were at least half a dozen times that Brian was hanging out with me and somebody got my name wrong. Like they might call me Ken instead of Kevin or Keith or something like that. And it kept happening. So ever since then, Brian never calls me by the right name. And apparently we still think it's funny and it's not an inside joke anymore because you, we just told you about it. Okay, so for the music, as I mentioned earlier, this was Brian's idea, so blame him. Uh, this is one of my old bands from a demo tape we recorded in 1984. We are performing a cover of the Simple Minds song, Don't You Forget About Me. And I'm on bass and lead vocal. And I was 21 years old when we did this. You do the math.
Okay, that was my old band doing Simple Minds. Uh, please be kind with your comments on that one. And we're going to actually skip the mailbag segment or the Pipe Magazine stats segment uh, since we went over a bit with Leonard. And we'll wrap this up in just a few minutes. On the other side of the break, we'll have rant time. This is Internet Radio. I'm not just a pipe smoker. I'm a Meerschaum pipe smoker. All of my pipes come from MeershamStore.com. They've been in business for 50 years, and I can trust that there will be no hassles. Orders are processed and shipped fast, and they have every shape you can imagine, including calabash, claws, dragons, horror, even a sexy series. MeershamStore.com, the most trusted Meersham store for 50 years. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. I'm old and I'm not happy. Everything today is improved and I don't like it. I hate it. In my day, we didn't have fancy tobaccos. If you wanted to smoke something, you took grass clippings and smoked them. It burned your mouth, seared your nostrils, made your eyes water, and tasted like horse manure. And you liked it. You loved it. Whoopee! We didn't have cured briar pipes that you could clench or hold in your hand. No, we had stone pipes that broke your teeth and gave you third-degree burns. There was nothing you could do about it. You were a toothless burn freak. Children would scream and run away from you. You were a public menace, a walking, pipe-smoking freak show. And that's the way it was, and we liked it. We loved it. Hallelujah, look at me. I'm a toothless burn victim. Oh, happy day. Not like today, everybody feeling good about themselves. I hate it. In my day, we didn't have pipe lighters or matches. If you wanted to light your pipe, you had to rub two sticks together. It took 45 minutes just to light your pipe, and that's the way we liked it. We used kerosene to light our pipes, and we would immediately burst into flames, and we liked it. We loved it. That's one of my favorite bits that I just couldn't resist playing again. Uh, so it's like a buy one, get one free tonight on rants. You get the grumpy old man, and now my rant. Cowboy. Cowboy. Okay, I admit that I have no patience whatsoever. But why is the guy with no patience the guy that always gets tested? I swear that every time I get in line anywhere, whether it's the bank, the post office, the grocery store, it doesn't matter. I always get the wrong person in front of me. They're the person with the longest story, the biggest problem, the most complicated transaction, or they're paying in cash, or even worse, they're paying in coins that they just dropped all over the floor that now they have to pick up one by one really, really slow. I'm always behind the person that has nowhere to go and nothing to do today. Uh, and just because we're in Florida and you're on vacation, it doesn't mean that I am. And actually, even on my days off, when there's nothing really on the schedule, it doesn't mean I want to spend it uh, standing behind the person that's monopolizing the entire line. If I'm going to be doing nothing, I prefer to be on the beach catching some rays. So, so here's my solution. They should have an express lane everywhere that if you take longer than 60 seconds, the person behind you can pull a lever that opens a trap door and you fall down into a pit of alligators because we have a bunch of them here in Florida. Uh, okay, maybe that's a little too harsh, but I had to rant about something. Well, that's the show. So please uh, keep leaving us ratings and reviews on iTunes or whichever uh, place you listen to us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And remember to share the Pipes Magazine radio show with all your pipe-smoking friends. Brian will be back next week. Thank you all for tuning in. 
Thank you to Leonard Wurzel for joining me, and thank you to the fine folks at the Sutliff Tobacco Company. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy We'd like to thank our special guest host. Now, what was his name? Are you sure? Kevin Godby. Yes, Kevin Godby for doing such a fine job. However, two words of advice. Less cologne. <laughs>